0: Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Amen. We're going to begin a new series this morning, and it's on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We're going to journey these next six weeks through each individual line of the prayer. And so we're going to move slowly and reflectively through this prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Here at the church, we love prayer. We recognize prayer as conversation or dialogue between us and the living God. So there's a lot of different ways that we do prayer here at uh, Vineyard Cleveland. A couple of ways that we do that is through, um, we have a prayer chain that goes, and so prayer at vineyardcleveland.org. If ever you have a prayer request or you'd like to see others pray for you, you can send an email to prayer at vineyardcleveland.org. That's one way that you can experience and engage in the life of prayer here at the church. Another way is manually. That's the digital way. Manually, you have these cards in the back of the chair in front of you, and they're prayer cards. And you can just fill out your name. Again, that's optional as well, or your email. And you can tell the staff, you can tell leaders how leaders in the church can be praying for you today. So if you have a prayer need, you can fill out that. We also have a prayer ministry team here at the church where folks will dedicate their time every Sunday to pray over you with whatever need that you might have or I might have, it's really good for the soul to come alongside of one another and bless one another, to pray for one another. We're going to have another ministry team orientation or training here in November. Uh, Rick and Sherry Peach lead ministry team here at the church. And so if you have a heart to pray for others, I want to encourage you to, to sign up for that, to, to pray for others. That's your heart. You want to see other people's needs met in the Lord. Pray. Pray for them. Another thing that I thought was really great as we journey this series of the Lord's Prayer is that Vineyard USA has put out an excellent resource called The Lord's Prayer, Praying as Jesus Taught Us. And it's a discipleship uh, study guide for groups and individuals. And this is one of the resources that I'll be pulling from throughout the series, among many others. And so what I did is I printed out like 15 or 20 copies, and I'll keep them fresh. And they're right back there um, before you exit— the 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 sanctuary right back there on the table. There's copies of this Lord's Prayer uh, discipleship praying as Jesus taught us packet, it. and it's just filled with good stuff. And so I want to challenge you if your prayer life is feeling a little bit. Um, Shall we say stale or just like it's not moving or growing? Maybe journey along with us in this, the Lord's Prayer series, and see what God would do. See what kind of change happens in your life as you begin to pray through the Lord's Prayer. So, that's that a ton of different resources on how to pray. And that's the question. That the disciples ask Jesus, as they're following him, they're asking him, how do we pray? In Luke 1, they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And there's all kinds of gold in what Jesus says next. One of my favorite authors and pastors, Tim Keller, says this. He says this about the Lord's Prayer. We live in a culture that is starved for deep experience of the soul. There's a vacuum in our lives. We're told we don't need religion, yet we are seeking mystical experiences through all sorts of techniques. But we we find we cannot substitute for prayer, for true intimacy with the infinite. The Lord's Prayer holds the secret to what we seek. There's gold in the Lord's Prayer. John Wesley said of the Lord's Prayer, going old school here for a minute. John Wesley said, the prayer that cont- he, he says of the Lord's Prayer that it's the prayer that contains all that we can reasonably pray for. It's all contained in these six lines. So the disciples are asking Jesus to teach them something, and this is the first and the last time in the gospel accounts where the disciples will ask Jesus to teach them anything specific. Usually Jesus is walking around and he's telling stories or he's sharing parables, which are richer, deeper truths. They're not really like stories, like um, true life accounts, but they're stories to reveal deeper truth. And so you walk away, it seems, if you meet or encounter Jesus in the, in the pages of the New Testament, you walk away with more questions than you do answers. How many of us are like that when we go to read the scriptures? Religious folks run into Jesus and they get really mad. Normal everyday people walk away either healed or confused, one or the other. And we're not sure maybe if it's a combination of both. And so here in the Lord's Prayer, this is the only time where Jesus gives specific practical instructions for something that the disciples ask of Jesus. And isn't it great that they ask about prayer you know, they could have asked about anything. Hey, Jesus, show us how you like, uh show us how you did that that magic trick with the Sermon on the Mountain, how you communicated in such a way that it transformed people's lives. J- Jesus, show us how you healed the blind beggar. Jesus, show us how you did all of these other things. No, the disciples say they ask for one thing. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. Bless you. Teach us to pray. And so in Luke 11, we read this. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say this. It's very specific. And then he prays. So we're going to pick it up in Matthew 6. If you have your Bible and you wanted to follow along with me or swipe there on your phone, we're in Matthew 6. 9 through 13. And Jesus says this. After, I'll let you get there a minute. After a full kind of uh, paragraph on what not to do when you pray, Jesus says pray like this. The context is important. Of course, in the context of the Sermon uh, on the Mount, he's saying don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't be like them. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. And then they ask him, so how do we pray? We know not how how not to pray. Teach us how to pray. And Jesus says this in verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then, in the church throughout history, uh, especially in the Hebraic tradition, but early on in the church, we love these uh, doxology moments when we get to like end with the big Coldplay chorus, you know. And so, what was added is was for yours is the kingdom, the power, the glory, Amen. You know this triumphant ending that was added. But Jesus says, when you pray, you should pray like this. And so, there's gold in this for us if we break it down, even to the very first word, our. You know, one of the most beautiful aspects about following Jesus is that we're a part of a body. That we're connected and we're praying with all of the saints on earth and in heaven when we pray. There's prayer constantly going on before the throne of God. Morning, noon, and night. Even outside the confines of time, prayer is happening in this instant, now, and forevermore. Our is a very important word. And Luke 11 graphically and personally illustrates the relationship that's possible with God for us as human beings. He uses the word father in the story of the prodigal son 12 times. Jesus doesn't say, when you pray, say this, my father. As a matter of fact, the plural is used throughout the Lord's prayer constantly. Give us, forgive us, deliver us, Prayers are rising now all over the world. And you and I, Vineyard Cleveland, are simply stepping into that stream of continuously, prayers continuously rising before the throne of God. I wanted to read Revelation 5 6 through 12. And John, in this grand vision of the throne of heaven, tells us this is what is happening right now, in this moment, outside of time, and what will happen for all eternity. In Revelation 5, 6 through 12, he says this, the Apostle John says, Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. He went and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Here it is, catch this. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchase for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. That key verse there in uh, Revelation 5 is Verse 8. And all of the strange uh, kind of scene that's happening is there for us to partake in and engage with and to notice that there is always prayer rising before the throne room of God. It's like perfume before God. Your prayer, my prayer, is like perfume. uh, A pleasing aroma, we're we're told in 2 Corinthians 2.15. Do you remember the wonderful aroma of cookies baking in the kitchen? The smell of a freshly bathed baby. A rose garden. Or maybe even the scent of that first day of autumn. Jesus says our prayers are like that to the Father. The truth is, is that when we pray, we pray as God's church, as His people, not only as an individual. There's this collaborative story that's being told, uh, and, and we're just stepping into that as a local church here in Cleveland, Ohio. There's a collaboration that's happening in a lineage. We're a link in the chain. Our prayers are rising before the throne room of God. We get to step into that story with prayer. And He's most glorified when His church is unified. God is more than just God over you and over me. God is the all-powerful Father to all the souls he has saved all throughout history. So while there are many appropriate moments to pray, my Father, Daddy, God, Abba, Jesus is saying be intentional about praying our Father whenever you can. And here's the goods right here. And this is, I believe, what Jesus is trying to say when he says, our Father, is that when you pray, when I pray, the reality is that you are never, ever, ever alone. You're never alone. You never pray alone. We are part of a family. We sang this morning, God, you're our Father. Jesus, you're our brother. Spirit, you're our helper. Within the community of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this model for us to step into when we pray, Jesus says, Our Father. Our Father. And so, like Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, Jesus is saying, let's start from the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. When you read, you begin with, (laughs) Come on. (laughs) When you pray, you begin with our Father. From the foundation of this dynamic relationship between Jesus and God Almighty, we pray from the foundation of our Father, of our Father. And if He is the Father, then He's good. He's loving to his children. And, there's, uh, and here is the first and great reason for prayer that God is willing to bless. The answer is yes before you even ask it. And I'll, I'll demonstrate that here in a second. There's an Anglican scholar, Wesley Hill, and he wrote this. He said, we can trade in all that performative style of prayer for one that is more homely and familial. Unlike human fathers who are often engrossed in their smartphones and have to have their attention captured in some creative way by their children, God is already and always attentive to his children. First, how are we to address God? Not as some distant deity, but as our Father in heaven, because that's who he is. God is our Father. You know, one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, says this in his book, Letters to Malcolm, Chiefly on Prayer. He talks about festooning. Anybody heard that word before? Festooning. The Lord's uh, Prayer. How how he does that. To festoon, F-E-S-T-O-O-N, means to adorn with ribbons and garland, and other decoration. In other words, Lewis attaches to each petition of the Lord's Prayer a personal thought or idea or request. He's festooning the Lord's Prayer. They're wonderful springboards. Each line is a springboard for us. So when my son, Luca, was small, he often wanted me to like carry him around. And when I would carry him around, I'd carry him around with his face uh, towards mine. And through a particularly difficult time in my life, I felt like the Lord was saying to me as I carried my son around, who is now driving, it's crazy to look over from the passenger seat and see this big kid like driving a 2,000 pound hunk of steel. You're like, when did you go from this to like this? When did that happen in my life? Anyway, all of that absurdness aside, But I felt like at one point during this difficult season in my life and as I was carrying my son around that the Lord was speaking to me like, this is how I want you and I to be, Evan. He was saying to me, let me carry you the way that you carry Luca. Let me hold you in my arms and you, all you need to do is just look in my face all day long. And so I often festoon our Father with that image of God carrying me and me staring into his face. You know, there's a beautiful picture of this. Before Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray in Matthew 6, we're given this scene that displays this intimate relationship between Jesus and the Father. In Matthew 3, uh, Jesus is baptized. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my Son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus had done one miracle, before he had like, done anything amazing, the Father is speaking his good pleasure over Jesus, over his Son. He's saying, You're, before, before you are Savior of the world, dying on the cross, before you do any of these great things like turning water into wine, healing blind people, healing sick people, you are my Son first. And so he moved, Jesus moves throughout the New Testament from that place of sonship, from that place of only doing what he sees the Father doing. This tight, intimate relationship between the Son and the Father is so, so, so important for us to catch. Why? Because this is the single most important thing that we will think. What we think about God is reflected into everything that we do in our lives. And it's difficult for us. This is the the awkward moment in the sermon. This is the awkward moment in the message because not all of our relationships with our fathers were like this. We didn't enjoy a father who was always attentive. Whenever we asked, the answer was yes. We don't know a relationship like this. No matter how great our fathers were. They could have been the best dad in the whole world, and yet they still fell short. They they failed to give us what we really needed. And it's it's no wonder that this is where the enemy attacks so often and so deeply, wounds us so deeply, because he knows, the enemy knows that once we pick up, as followers of Jesus, once we pick up this idea of being deeply loved, deeply cherished by a, a father who's always listening, who always cares, he knows that we're on the road to healing. He knows that we, when we know that we belong to a father who always cares for us, that his schemes lose power. Everything that he offers... All the ways that he tries to destroy no longer hold power over our lives. When we know that we know that we know that we are loved. That we're loved not not, uh, for what we've done or left undone. When we know that we know that we know that we're loved simply because we're a child of God. When we know that we are loved as a son and a daughter of the living God. The enemy's schemes lose power. And so Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father... Now, a lot of pastors will say this is like something so revolutionary for Jesus to teach, to, to insert the word Father there, but they'd be wrong. So actually, this is like a very common thing in Jewish prayers, whether it's in the Kaddish or it's in a, a mitzvah, like there's, there's lots of Hebraic um, tradition behind this. So it wouldn't be coming out of left field for the disciples to hear that we're inserting the word Father, that when we pray, we should pray to the Father. They'd be like, oh yeah, We've been praying like that our whole lives. Whenever um, we're at a loved one's funeral and we hear the Kaddish, we would hear that God is the Father overall. Yeah, we got that. What would be different for them to hear is to see the relationship modeled between Jesus and his Father. And for Jesus to say, You go and do this too. Like my relationship with the Father, your relationship with the Father. That would have been mind-blowing. That would have been mind-blowing for them. For the disciples to say, what? Our Rabbi wants us to pray and and enjoy the same closeness with the Father of all? Like he's my Father too? That would have been out of this world crazy for them to hear. So let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. That the Father is well pleased in you. Before you even do one thing, before you even take one breath in the morning, that the Father loves you. And I feel like this morning there are folks here listening, and perhaps maybe online, who God wants to unveil Himself as. The true Father, the Father who loves you endlessly and with a depth that you haven't known here on earth, that will never leave or forsake you, that will always be attentive to your needs. And God will work on that as we move through it here. And then the last part, who is in heaven? Our Father who's in heaven, who art in heaven. Fancy English there, who is in heaven. And the important thing we need to recognize about this phrase when Jesus teaches us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, is that the biblical expression doesn't mean a place necessarily. Asterix. Keep it there for a second. It doesn't necessarily mean a place or a space, but a way of being. It does not mean that God is distant Sometimes we read through this and we say, our Father is in heaven. He's so far off. He's so far away. Well, you just prayed our Father and you prayed it in Greek or the Aramaic translated into Greek as Abba. That's daddy. That's close. That represents relational uh, closeness or intimacy. And now you're, playing it, now you're praying in heaven? Well, one seems close. One seems far. Well, when we read our Father who is in heaven, we're not to read distance but it's rather meant to say that the Father is majestic. It doesn't mean that he's far away or that he's elsewhere. It means that he's other. He's not quite like us, is he? He's eternally good. We are not. He's eternally resourced. We are not. He's eternally kind. We are not. He can transform our lives in an instant. I cannot. He's other than us. He's majestic. He transcends everything. Everything. And it's precisely because of this, this three times holiness and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that He's so close to the humble and contrite heart. When we say... Our Father, who is in heaven, magic tricks are different. Magic tricks are like um and the lord's prayer is often used like this it's used. Like a magic trick all of the time. Magic tricks are like this you uh, manipulate something in order to get something in return. Prayer is different. It's like, it's like Frodo in The Lord of the Rings. Prayer is like that. Prayer's like, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'll accept it. And now I come under someone else's rule to, um, to accomplish this, this mission, this quest. And so prayer is like that, and when we pray who is in heaven, we shouldn't be praying like God is distant, like some fairy land. He's far away. We should be praying, he, our Father who is in heaven, he's majestic. We read that as majestic. Jesus taught us to address God where he is. He's always enthroned in majesty. Now there is, there is an implication of um, Location. As we pray, Father in heaven. And there is the reality that he is in heaven and not yet here on earth. There is that. But the Father wants to be here and will be here when heaven and earth unite. Which we'll read in the third line, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's for another Sunday. But in the act of prayer, God unveils himself to us, and so we're taught to unveil ourselves to God. This is where the humility kind of comes, the Frodo and the Lord of the Rings analogy kind of comes in. And I believe Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray this way because he's modeling for us that we begin prayer right where we are. Our Father in heaven... Where is he? He's in heaven. We begin prayer right where we are. If we're sad, we begin sad. Let's be honest with him. If we're angry, we begin angry. There's no use trying to pretend we are not these things and to begin by adoration if we're not in that place. I think What I'm asking for is, yeah, it's good. I'll enter your courts with thanksgiving, your gates with praise. There's this procession of praise. And why? God God loves it. He loves it. He pounces on gratefulness. But I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's this space for vulnerability before God. Where we can just come as we are. Where is God? God in heaven. Where are we at if we're sad, if we're angry? We come that way. We say, God, this is what's really going on in my life. We get real with God and we say, this is what's really happening. I don't have to put on any religious face. I don't have to prime the pump and, you know, get it all fired up before I can really be honest with God. No, God's our Father. And He loves us. And so we can simply come. In His majesty, He transcends everything. Everything. And Psalms 8, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. In heaven, God is, like, uh, is not like any other being we know. He's far beyond us. And just because God is our Father does not mean that he is only our Father. God is king over all the universe and far above all things seen and all the things we don't see. So keep lifting God's name while gladly humbling ourselves before God and let God know that you look forward to seeing his desires being done. His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask God to have his way in you and in this world, in your brothers, in your sisters. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Almighty God, ancient of days, God most high, eternal king. He transcends everything. Our Father who is in heaven. So here's what I wanted to do to close today. It's a little short introduction here to the series. If we wanted to stand, we're going to move into a time of ministry. And here's where we get to practice. Go ahead, join me in standing. Man, we're all mellow today. I feel it. You think, did, who, did we stay up late last night? To watch the Guardians play? SpongeBob again with the win. SpongeBob, SpongeBob with the win. Cleveland, we're hanging with the Yankees. Yeah, we're a little bit, bit chill today, and that's okay. Some days, you know, I, we just got done saying, like, come as you are. So we're chill today. That's fine. So you may have to muster some strength for this. But I found this great um, translation of the Lord's Prayer. It's written by this author, uh, Pastor Daryl Johnson. He's in Canada. And for centuries, the church has done that. If you're part of the prayer ministry team and you wanted to come forward, and we're going to say this together, and I believe that there's um, power in the reading of Scripture together as a community of faith. And that's simply what we're doing. Um, and at the same time, you know, um, I, I don't want this to be like, um, you know, Jesus. Yeah, it'll be what it needs to be. Okay, so um, we're, going to, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. And we'll go a little bit slower. And then when we're through, um, Sarah's going to lead us in a worship response. We'll, we'll release. But as we're saying it, remember that we're not just saying it. Like, let's pray. Let's pray this to the Lord. I don't know. See, I'm writing the final. I don't want to be a cheerleader, right? Come on, church. Like, let's go. and uh, You know, like some, some realness to it. But at the same time, there's power in the Word of God, and this is the Word of God. It's in Matthew, like this is Jesus' prayer that he taught us to pray. And so wherever you're at, whether you're angry this morning, you're tired, you're agitated, you're, maybe you're ill, or maybe you're joyful, and maybe you're happy, and maybe you're so... Let's, let's go at it that way. Does that sound good? Okay, so here it is. This is Daryl Johnson's translation. We're all gonna say it together. Can we? Okay, one, here we go. Here we go. Ready? Our Father, very close at hand, on the throne of the universe, be hallowed your name on earth as it is in heaven. Come your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Be done your will on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day all we need to be your people. Cancel our debts as we have canceled the debts of our debtors. And as you lead us to the test, do not let the test become a temptation, but rescue us from the twisting wiles of the evil one. He wants us to think that you are not as good as Jesus says you are. All this and more you can do. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. So be it. Amen. So good, right? So as Sarah leads us in this response, I want to invite um, a couple of different groups forward that the Lord put on my heart. The one is just the thing of the Father, knowing the Father's love, knowing that